0: Night, Hello, everyone, and it, welcome it, it to Let's Talk Torah. Torah. I am Rabbi Tweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to contact the show, you can always call us at 844-999-9249, or you can send your questions to our mailbox at Let's Talk Torah, no apostrophes, letstalktora at gmail.com. Hope everybody's enjoying the weather. Nicer weather today. Not so hot. It'll get hot over the weekend. But it's the summer. And I must tell you, even though it's the summer and this story normally would have taken place six weeks ago, um, but it was just a great story happened to me. So what happens? So we encourage the children in school, the boys, we do other stuff for the girls, um, to do extra Torah study during the holidays. So you're talking the Sukkot holiday, which was like nine months ago, and the Passover holiday, which was a few months ago. They bring in their paperwork to show how much they studied a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and I buy them prizes. The prizes are books, are, are Svarim, our Torah books, and uh, we usually try to give it out around the last day of school. The last day of school would have been, of course, uh, the third week in June. We are obviously in the third week in July. Well, corona came. So we did send out messages to the parents and emails and letters that the children should fill out the paperwork and we'll get them prizes. Um, But of course, most people did not fill out the paperwork. So I had the paperwork from the Sagoda holiday and partial paperwork from the Passover holiday. And I went and I ordered my books. So the guy calls me back. He, gives, he sends me a whole list of things. and I pick like the $4 range and the $8 range and the $12 range and the $20 range and the $27 range. I have all my ranges for different children, different levels. And I send him the books that I wanted. And he calls me back and he's all upset. And he says, you know, you waited so long to order your books. And I, don't, I can't get you all these books the way you want. And, and why do you make me send you all these big lists? The truth is, it was the same list he sends me every year. But uh, And this one's busy, and this worker left, and this worker died. So he was a little stressed. So I said, no problem. Just tell me what fits into my categories. We'll order it right now. So we we went through the discussion. I bought sets that I could break up, so it'd be a little bit cheaper. Somewhere in the conversation, there was miscommunication. And I ended up with, like... Piles more books than I was supposed to have. So, for example, if I told him I needed 32 of a cheaper book of the four-dollar range, because he sent me the sets, I had like an extra, like extra 30 books. What am I gonna do with this? And then, and this set was too many, and this, I, I, I just, it was coming out of my ears all these. So, it worked out amazing. I thought I had too many. It was perfect. What happens? I have everything. Each class and I I have my class come because we had to go to separate classes this is day camp but it's all the same boys Um, so I said okay here's the second grade class here's the list Um, you take these four books you take these six books you take these books and bring it into the second grade and give them the list and give them the the code how they know what a is and B and C we went through all the classes then like always happens I've been doing this for years So it's possible that a book I gave you four years ago, I gave you again. So you don't want the same book. Or I give you a book and you have that book. And then, of course, the boys start coming and saying, oh, I didn't know for Passover. I didn't get the information. Oh, they made up stories. But it didn't matter. I said, anybody who thinks they did extra Torah study and you didn't bring me in the paperwork, or you had the books, you come to my classroom. Come to my classroom, open up my closet. And and they're holding one book. I say, okay, what do you say? Oh, I have this book. Oh, how about this one? Oh, no problem. Switch. And the next one comes in and says, oh, I really did double the study, and you gave me this book. Oh, will this make you happy, or will this combination make you happy, or can I trade this one in now? Normally, in a normal year, I can't do trades. I, I don't have a bookstore to with un, an unlimited amount of books, but it happened to be because I had all the extra stuff. And I had all these boys that really did study more and really did deserve more. But there was miscommunication. I made them all happy. I had all these boys going home so happy. So who wins? Who wins? I win. Why do I win? Because my whole purpose of this program, or the school wins, is we wanted to do some extra study, extra reading, a little extra Talmud, a little extra Mishnah, a little studying with your father, grandfather, brothers over the holidays. So... What do you think is going to happen next year? You know that when you do extra, I believe you. I take care of you. You had a good experience. So all that will happen is more people will study. They'll study more. I'll have to buy more books. My donor will be thrilled because it's not coming out of my pocket anyways. And uh, so at the end of the day, the children went home happy. They saw when they came to me. And they thought that they had the same book. What do I need it for? Or I really did extra and I didn't get credit. I gave you the credit. I gave you the book you wanted. I, I, I switched around here there. Everybody was happy. It was beautiful. And the only reason it worked out beautiful is because there was a miscommunication between myself And the person I bought the books from, that he sent me way... Don't worry. The bill was for the amount of books he sent me. Don't think the bill was for what I ordered. The bill was for what came in the boxes. But it it just worked out beautiful. It's not to say I don't have any extra in my closet. I always have a few extra in my closet. Here the problem was it was over... It, like, flooded my closet. Like, there was no room left. So it really worked out amazing. Really, really amazing. Okay. So, as I've told you before... It's been our topic for the last couple weeks. Um, we are now in what's called the nine days, the nine days that lead up to the ninth of Av, to Tisha B'Av, the saddest day on the Jewish calendar. As I told you, next Thursday is Tisha B'Av. I will not be here. I don't work on Tisha B'Av. I just sit and pray and read the poetry, and it's not really a working day. So I won't be here, but you can take what we what we learned today, and it'll hopefully give you a little bit more feeling, like what we've been trying to do the last couple of weeks, about what uh, Tishrei means. So first, we need to know it's the saddest day on the calendar because this is like a day that's been the that God set up for tragedy. Um, we know the spies came back from Spine Land of Israel, and they told Moses. And then the Jewish people, we can't conquer it. God's not strong enough. It's a crazy land. And they didn't follow the directions of spies. The Jewish people cry. God says, you cried for no reason. I'll give you a reason to cry. And this was the night of Tisha Buf. Interesting, by the way, in the desert, part of the punishment was that that whole generation has to die before they go into the land of Israel. So what God does is, we're going to be in the desert for 40 years. So as everybody turns 60 they would die they actually went into an open grave and uh, the night of tishavav and if you didn't wake up the next morning well that meant your time was up and this went on through the next 40 years and as you reached the age of 60 that was the time that a person would die till the generation was was a complete turnover the first generation is gone we have the new generation that either was born in the desert or was under 20 when they left egypt I would get ready to go into the land of Israel, uh, which, by the way, is almost like the getting ready for the next book, the book of, uh, of Devarim, of Deuteronomy, which we'll try to talk about if I get there. So what were the famous five tragedies? That was so interesting. I googled it, and I get a Jerusalem Post article. Now, it happens to be a Mishnah, which I taught my class last week, and it was fascinating because the article talks about all the tragedies on Tisha but they skip a couple of them. Like, they skip the ones that the Talmud brings down, and they brought down their own. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe I do know what they were thinking. We'll decide. Here's the list. First of all, the First and Second Temple were destroyed. First and Second Temple, same day, on the ninth of Av, it was set on fire. It wasn't completely destroyed on the 9th of Av, but the beginning of the fire started. That's the, the end. So First Temple was destroyed... Second temple was destroyed. Um, The city of of Betar was destroyed. Betar was the stronghold of Bar Kokhba. We talked about him. Bar Kokhba was that general that a couple years after the destruction of the second temple, he raised up an army uh, and he had a pretty powerful army. To join his army, you had to be so brave, you had to be willing to bite off your thumb. Not willing, you had to. And the rabbi said, come on, you're making everybody with blemishes. So Bar said, no problem. If you don't want to bite of your thumb, you could ride a horse. And while you're riding the horse, you have to rip a tree out of the ground. So you pick. So he had a very powerful army. Um, he was so great, the great Rabbi Akiva thought he was the Messiah at one point. A few things happened. It became clear that he was not the Messiah, and they— uh, they actually changed his name from Bar which means son of the star, to Bar Koziba, which means the faker or the liar. And uh, he lost on the battlefield. We've talked about that in the past. Um, he, he said, he made a prayer. He said, God, I got my army here. Roman army is over there. Don't get involved, God. Just let my army take care of it, and uh, we'll do battle, and I'll win anyways because I'm a stronger army. And, of course, he lost. So, uh, I mean, it's interesting. You could take it any way you want. The Jerusalem Post um, did not mention the destruction of Beitar as one of the tragedies. Perhaps because um, in, in, in modern Israel, Bar Kochba is a very important person, even though he lost. And even though he caused more problems, but he was a warrior, so they like warriors. But really, really, he lost the battle. He was not able to free us from Roman rule. Not only that, things got much, much worse once he was defeated. Like always, when you start up with the with the uh, nation that's uh, that's occupying you, um, if you don't win, it's just going to be worse. But since Bar Kokhba and Betar is very important in modern Israel, they took that out as a tragedy, which is kind of strange because where are you getting your information from? You're getting it from the Talmud. So, but okay. That's probably a conversation for another day. Um, also the 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 mountain with the temple on was plowed over. And again, we already talked about the spice. However, the Jerusalem Post does bring down a few other interesting things, tragic things that happened on this date, which is really amazing. right? There's a whole year in the calendar, and these are major things. So first of all, um, the decree for the expulsion from England was late July of 1290. So we're thrown out of England. The expulsion from Spain in 1492 um, also took place. That was July 31st. Just to give you a little bit of background. People get confused. They almost make it romantic. The Already in the in the late 1300s, the Spanish were were forcing a lot of forced conversions on the Jewish people. And... What happened was, it was all political, it was all money-motivated. The Spaniards didn't like that the Jews were getting all these important positions, so they made laws, only Christians can have these positions. Okay, so a lot of Jews converted. I'll be a Christian. So they still didn't like it because we didn't gain anything. We wanted to take the jobs for ourselves. The Jews now called themselves Christians, so they still got the jobs. So they got into what's called pure blood, only pure blood, and then they started the Inquisition. The idea of the Inquisition was, if you said you were a Christian, but in secret you were a Jew, that came with a death penalty. But if you were a practicing Jew, then that's not what the Inquisition was for. The whole Inquisition was just to root out the people pretending to be Catholics that are are Christian. But you should know that really a lot of these Jews really did—they weren't Jewish. They didn't do anything Jewish, nothing Jewish about them. They barely knew they were Jewish. But the Spaniards didn't want them to to take over. If you weren't pure Spanish blood. We don't want you. So very interesting. But the bottom line is, in 1492, um, they said all Jews: if you are either, you're gonna convert, or you got to leave the country. So that expulsion took place in 1492. So that happened on Tishabov. B'av. Um, World War One actually began August 1st, 1914, when Germany declares war on Russia. Uh, the Tre- Treblinka, the concentration camp, um, actually began operation. That was July twenty third of nineteen forty two. It was almost at the same time that the 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 deportations from the Warsaw Ghetto started. Then, look, lots of things happen on a lot of days of the calendar, but this is just one of those days, and it is important to recognize that the and it says this in the poetry of Tishkov. At the end of the day all jewish suffering throughout the millennia throughout the exile all goes back to the destruction of the temple we the second temple was destroyed we were exiled every single tragedy everything that's happened to the jewish people really all goes back to the destruction of the temple so it's all the same crying it doesn't mean we don't have poetry about the holocaust doesn't mean we don't have poetry about the Crusades. Again, another example of uh, something that historically has become very romantic. The Crusades were very bad for the Jews because as those crusading armies went through Europe, they wiped out Jewish areas, they forced conversions. They were not good. They were very, very trying times. That's also in the poetry. So but but we need to recognize that our greatest tragedy is the loss of the temple and everything else is just following along that tragedy it's like a continuation of the tragedy. The only problem is that we're 2000 years removed from that. So it's so hard for so many of us to relate to what we lost. But if we again we talked about it last week and it's always worth continuing to talk about um, if we pay attention to what we, to what we really lost, then that will help us understand all the tragedies. A- and that is that, um, so we, we talked about last week how we were, when there was a temple, we were embraced by God. God embraced us. You felt God's presence. You felt God's love. You felt God's connection. And with the destruction of the temple, that was all gone. We lost that connection. We lost that embrace. We lost that that feeling close to God. So really, 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 the message of Tisha is, I miss you. God, I miss you. Yes, I can pray, and I can pray three times a day, and I can study your Torah, and I know it's your words, and I can do your commands, and I can feel good to be Jewish, all good and true. But at the end of the day, I do not have that connection with God that they had. I, it's a very low-level connection. The connection spiritually they were able to have when there was a temple was unfortunately something we can't even relate to because we're so, so far removed from it. So we can talk about it, we can try to feel it, and we could cry about it. But the bottom line is that I'm saying on Tisha B'av, God, I miss you. Please take me home. Please bring me back. Now, I say bring me home. So move to Israel. Even in Israel today, as wonderful as Israel is, and whatever feeling people want to say they have, there is unfortunately no temple. Yes, there is a low level of God's presence by the Western Wall and on the Temple Mount, which is why we can't walk there. But at the end of the day, that presence of God, that spirituality, that connection that we once had does not exist today. You can live in Detroit. You can live in New York, you can live in Lakewood, you can live in Jerusalem, you can live in Tel Aviv, you can live in B'nai Brak. you can live wherever you want. You do not have that connection with God. It doesn't exist. And that's what Tisha is all about. Tisha is all about saying, God, I miss you. Please bring me home. Bring me home is not good enough just to live in the land of Israel. Bring me home means, God, I want your presence back. I want your temple back. I want the service back. I want to be able to have that spiritual connection, that's what I'm missing, that's what I want, and that's what the day of Tishov is all about. So we act like mourners, we sit on the floor, we don't wear leather shoes, Um, we're not going to take baths on that day, we're not going to wash up, we'll just wash our fingertips or, you know, up to the knuckles, we're obviously not eating the whole day, we're not drinking the whole day, it really starts from the night before, it's the only other fast day, that instead of starting at daybreak, actually starts from nightfall the night before. It's a very long fast day. It's 25 hours. It's long, 24 and a half, whatever it is. It's it's a long fast day. We don't even study regular Torah study because it says Torah study makes us glad. Even regular Torah study we can't have, but there's enough things to study, stuff from Jeremiah, stuff from Job, certain parts of the Talmud that talk about the destruction of the temple or the the rules and regulations of mourning—that stuff is all is all legal. Um, but otherwise, um, it's a different kind of day. And again, people say the poetry for hours and hours in the morning. People like to read Holocaust books, things to to help us recognize we've done, we've had a lot of suffering in our history, and all that suffering is because we don't have our temple. Again, I, I don't want to say we don't have our land because it makes people nervous. But we don't have the temple, we don't have God's presence, and therefore, therefore we don't have the connection, and therefore, as I as I keep repeating, that the day of Tishabov is a day where we say, God, I miss you. I miss you. So if we could recognize, if we could understand that the purpose is not just to be sad and, and not have meat or chicken meals for a week and, uh, and sitting on the floor where it's very uncomfortable for some of us with our backs. Uh, it's, it's not all the stuff we do. The stuff is just to help us with the feeling. It's not the stuff. Again, you got to do the stuff. Don't get me wrong. you got to do the stuff. Uh, if you're able to say, and I really feel I miss God, it doesn't mean you can have breakfast. You can't have breakfast. And you have to sit on the floor until the afternoon. And you're not going to greet your friends with a regular, smiley greeting, except we're all wearing masks, so they can't even see my smiling face. But, but the purpose, the point is to be able to say, God, I want that connection. I'm missing that connection. I need that connection. God, I miss you. that is what we're looking to accomplish on Tisha B'av. So, yes, you have to do all the stuff. But you need your mind to focus properly, why am I doing all this stuff? If I miss the wise, if you missed my last show, by the way, it was fantastic with Shira Parnas. Her whole point of who she is, she's a fascinating person. Her whole point of who and what she is is that I got to discover, I got to look, I got to delve into, I got to understand. I'm not a robot. I told her, uh, we talked about Nas Vanishma, the Jews said we will do and we will listen, Right The point being I'm not a robot, I have to do what God says, but I gotta understand why I'm doing it to the best of my ability. Obviously, there's a point that comes where I can't understand it, no problem, but to the best of my ability, I have to try to figure out who and what I am and why I'm doing what I do, and then it gives meaning. They talk about it it's like a it's like a shell with nothing inside, a shell with nothing inside. What is the value in that? I have to understand. Why I'm doing what I do. So the for for us for today, we wanted to make sure we bring out the what and why I do for Tishav. For the ninth of of, oh, for the end of this sad period, is that God, I miss you. And we said it's a it's a three week uh, journey. It's not good enough to dive into the pool. No swimming, so you can't really swim during the nine days. Um, you can't just dive into Tishav and say I'm ready to say God, I miss you. We, we we need these couple of weeks to remind ourselves what we're missing. And as we consistently remind ourselves over these days and and the days get stricter and, and we're not taking haircuts and, again, we're taking less showers or we're taking cold showers, um, all the different things we're doing. Every time you do something a little different because it's the nine days, I'm not buying new clothes. Oh, why am I not buying new clothes? Why is my shower colder? Um, why am I not taking a haircut when I need a haircut? Um, why am I going to sit on the floor when we get to Tisha B'av? Why am I preparing to fast? All these things I'm doing are for one purpose, and that is to, to get me ready for a day where I say, God, I miss you. Because to just do it at the last minute, it, it, would ha- it would really have no value. And that would be tragic in itself. But if I can go through a Tisha and I can say, God, I miss you, I can come out inspired, which is amazing, right? I can even be inspired from a day like Tisha um, We don't even have time. Um, it is interesting. This week's Torah portion, we're starting the last book. Moses has 30 days to live. This is Moses' goodbye to the Jewish people. He first starts out t- telling them, in a in a like simple way, all the places they've been where they did things wrong. Then he's going to get more into the nitty gritty. And and it's almost the same idea. And was Moses saying his goodbye, he has his thirty days to say goodbye to the Jewish people because we're going to miss him. He was the leader. That took us out of Egypt and got us to Torah. And oh man, here comes my music. So, anyways, um, you know, I love all you guys, but we gotta keep it short and sweet. I can't do without my wonderful sponsored listeners, so I thank you. Thank you to my production team. We have David back here today, he is doing yeoman work. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it gonna make